Welcome to Knit British, the podcast that explores all the connections of Britishness in wool, fibre and knitting. On this journey, meeting all of the people involved, from sheep to skein, I am your host, Louise Scully. Knit British and love local wool. Knit British is utterly spoiled to be sponsored by our woolly mucker, Susan Hobkirk. Susan is Mac Park on Ravelry and told me she is a self-confessed yarn snob. Currently on her needles, she has Donna Smith's Hoolan Tap and is working her way through Marie Wallen's Farewell Blanket Club. Hear more from Susan later in the show and thanks for sponsoring this episode, Susan. Again, how are you? It's lovely to have you around here, particularly you new listeners. Welcome one and all. I am just back from a lovely holiday in uh, Northumberland and Durham, uh, where we stayed in a shepherd's hut. Um, And it was shearing weekend as well. So we had about 300 mules just hanging around outside our our window uh, and a few Jacobs too and if you look at the show notes uh, at knitbritish.net you'll see what I saw out my (laughs) the window of my shepherd's hut. Um, I hope you guys got to enjoy that lovely midsummer week weather that we had too. It was really warm where we were. In fact, it was a bit too warm. We were we were melting and there was a bit of a sun trap uh, where where our accommodation was. So it was quite warm. Um, I hope it was warm where you were. I kind of love a lot of things about midsummer. I particularly love it in Shetland um, where it hardly ever gets, gets dark at this time of year. Um, it's really kind of a special thing to see um, and experience but there are things that I also like you know because it's like a marker of the year passing and ridiculously perhaps I love that it's a step closer to autumn which is which is my favourite time of year (laughs) and um, I've been kind of finding myself longing for autumn is that a bad thing to say in July I don't know but uh, the weather today is really wet and and dreek and I kind of just want it to be autumn. And, you know, we're lucky in Scotland if we get an autumn because it's a very short period of the year. It's a very short season. And we're lucky if we get a proper one. But I just love that change between summer and winter and that looking towards the long, dark nights of sitting in knitting and stews and things. Ridiculous. I know, it's July. I'll stop. Grab a whip, grab a drink and let's get cracking because we have another woolly mucker to meet and some yarn to squish. Let's say hello to this episode's woolly mucker, Susan Hobkirk. It was lovely talking to Susan this week and for the first time it was really nice uh, to chat to her and I'm really happy to bring you another woolly mucker chat. Um, it's not a mandatory requirement of being a woolly mucker to come on and the programme and do this wee chat, but it is lovely to hear about our woolly muckers, isn't it? It's really nice to hear from them and, you know, just asking those two questions about, you know, what was the first thing you remember knitting and the last thing you cast off and what yarn and pattern would you leave as a legacy for others to enjoy? Those kind of things reveal quite a lot, I think, and a really good conversation that comes out of that. 
Susan is a Scot living in Salisbury and she says she is absolutely spoiled for crafty opportunities where she is. And as you will hear, she has been discovering the local yarn wool scene where she lives too. Uh, For those of you listeners with good 80s vintage pattern knowledge, prick up your ears during this. And for those of you who also like a wool prize, prick up your ears because there's something special that comes out of this interview for for Knit British listeners. As sometimes happens on Knit British, when I talk to people over Skype, it's sometimes the first time they're using Skype or any kind of online calling. Uh, Susan was using Skype for the first time when we had made this call. I feel so technically challenged right now. No, you should be feeling technically empowered. (laughs) So let's tell people where you are. Well, I'm in Salisbury in the south of England, about 20 minutes from Stonehenge, if nobody knows where Salisbury is. And yeah, that's that's it, really. It's Wiltshire. You, you've got lots of uh, crafty things on the, on your doorstep then. It's amazing, Louise. I mean, well, you'll find out when I get to doing my favourite yarns and stuff. <laughs> I mean, all around here is just artisan wool producers. And in Andover, which is about... 40 minutes there's a an old fairground traditional fairground where they used to have an old fair and that's all yeah that's all been put into like um craft workshops now oh wow that's incredible well the first thing that i want to ask you because i like to put it out at the beginning of the program is to tell the listeners what you're working on just now right well (laughs) what am i not working on that's usually the answer (laughs) Well, I'm doing the Marie Wallen Fair Owl Club 2 blanket. So tomorrow I get section 9. So 9 of 10. So it's it's nearly finished. So I've been very good and made myself do each section as it comes so that I haven't got behind. Otherwise, I'd have had 10 years time. That's incredibly disciplined. <laughs> I know. I'm very unusual. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a Howland Hap on in West Yorkshire Spinners Exquisite. Oh, how nice. But I'm still only on the border. So, you know, I think it says do something like just repeat these rows 63 times. <laughs> I think I'm on about 40 something. But that's my kind of keep it in my handbag and carry it around at the moment because it's just like just a wee roll. So that's kind of about all that's that's on. There's usually socks on the go, but there aren't at the moment. So that's about it, really. Yeah. Right. Let's get cracking then. So the first question is, what was the first thing that you can remember knitting it doesn't necessarily have to be the first thing you cast off but just the first thing you can really remember knitting my granny taught me to knit and my granny had seven sons my dad was the one in the middle and she her entire life knitted their socks even when they were married she knitted their socks and my first christmas stocking was one of my nana's socks that she'd knitted for my dad <laughs> So my nana taught me to knit, and so I learned to knit on four needles. And the first thing I learned to do was turn a heel. I was about nine, (laughs) and it was completely useless in many ways because at that time the last thing I was interested in was knitting with socks. But that's that's what she did, so that's what I did. I knitted a lot of stuff for my Cindy doll and Barbie dolls and that. And when I was about oh. 20. Do you remember? No, you're too young. Patricia Roberts. Do you remember Patricia? I know that name. 
She had a shop in Covent Garden and it was all intarsia stuff. They were really off the wall, brightly colored with bobbles and like radios and zigzags. And, and you know, now the one thing I will not knit is intarsia. I hate it with a passion. <laughs> I did knit her stuff. But the first thing, and this has caused me a lot of angst because I cannot remember who the pattern was by. Now, Someone told me it was Sasha Kagan. I got in touch with her and she says, no, it's not me. I still think it is. But anyway, (laughs) it was a cardigan that was called Kimono. And it was made in Jimison and Smith's two-ply jumper weight. And basically, it was a great big jacket. It was kind of one size fits all, very little shaping. And it was Entrelac-based and I oh. knitted it in black, but on every little square of Entrelac, it had four sort of little pleated rolls, and some oh. of them were self-coloured and some of them were striped. So on every black square, which was about two inches square, you had four rolls with a stripe in one of them, and I don't know how long it took me, but everybody called it my licorice all sort jumper because that's <laughs> what it looked like. <laughs> Now, I have a photocopy of the pattern that I took from the book for carrying around with me, but I haven't got the book anymore. And I've still got this pattern covered in notes and, and stuff, but I've no idea. <laughs> so so what, do you, can you remember what the book was? No, no. I just wonder, was it designed in Jimison and Smith yarn? Well, she does, Sasha Kagan does use Jimin and Smith, the bit at Jimison and Smith yarn. Sasha Kagan said she's never done an entrelac jumper. And she said, was it Susan Duckworth or Patricia Roberts? Well, I, I haven't found it, but I had books by all of them when I was in my 20s. You know, we're talking mid 80s, sort of yeah. about 1984, 85. So I don't know. <laughs> Interesting, though. That's the thing that really sticks in my mind as as a the first really proper thing, and I wore it until it fell apart. Very similar to Christine, who who did the Entrelac jumper. That was the first. She was our woolly mucker, our first woolly mucker. And and it's interesting that you say you know you were taught to knit socks first because turning a heel, you know, in the knitting community, there that people will run a mile away from having to learn how to do that. So I think it's really wonderful that you. But you know the thing that once you do learn, you think, well, what was all the fuss about? I know. It's not that difficult. It's, an, uh, it's the same with Entrelac. I've never knitted an Entrelac thing because I just think, oh, boy. <laughs> the, thing about, the thing about this pattern is I have to admit the first thing that whacks you in the face is not the fact that it's Entrelac. You don't particularly notice the Entrelac because there's so much else going on. <laughs> But yeah, it was, and I didn't use any of the really tasteful heathered colours from Jimison and Smith. It was sort of sweetie pink, purple, bright green, royal blue. You know, it was real kind of in your face, no taste whatsoever. (laughs) You still have it. I wish I did, but I don't. I mean, I've still got, as I say, the photocopy of the pattern. And in the pattern on the, the... picture it was knitted in beige which was really not <laughs> not what I would call yeah it wasn't I'm not a beige kind of girl as you can see. 
Oh, that's so yeah. funny. So did it, do you think it ended up in a charity shop? I think it probably did. So did the book probably because I seem to remember, well, you remember what the 80s was like? It was all these mohair, puffy, sleeved. Bat wings. Yeah, stuff that you wouldn't be seen dead in now. Somebody somewhere is loving that jumper. I bought it from a chatty shop. I'm still wearing it. It's totally thinking about the person who knitted all those entrelac rolls. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So what about the last thing that you cast off then? Okay, well, this is really sad because the honest truth is that the last thing I cast off was a a Jared Flood jumper called um, Harlow. It's a sloppy um, kind of boyfriendy style V-neck, very, very plain um, from Brooklyn. It's a Brooklyn tweed pattern. I cast it off two days ago and... Yesterday I frogged it. <laughs> I knew I, I knitted it for my daughter, and and if I'm honest, I hadn't done the sleeves. I'd done the body, and she came home from uni, and I, I I all the time I was doing it, I thought these armholes are not very big. You know, it has six to eight inches of positive ease in the jumper. It's meant to be really sloppy, and she's a very nice little size twelve. And that, but even so, I'm thinking six inches it said for the armhole and so I put it on her without even having stitched the the shoulders and I actually couldn't make the front shoulder meet the back shoulder but because the v-neck started below the armhole shaping I can't just undo the shoulders and knit otherwise the v's going to go down to her navel So I'm going to have to take it right back to the start of the V, add about three inches of armhole and then start the V. So so that is technically the last thing I cast off, but it's not finished. (laughs) What's your approach to frogging? Are you just like, let's frog it and get it over with? Or are you like, oh, no. I I am a bit like, oh, why didn't I listen to my instincts when I was, you know, when you're following a pattern, you think, oh, no, they must know what they're doing. Mm, not. <laughs> and, uh, I wish I wish I hadn't. But having said that, what I'll do, I frogged it, but there's no way I can start knitting it again now. And as I say, I know that the ninth part of the blanket will come tomorrow. I'll start and do that. And when I finish that, that'll take me most of Wimbledon, I think. <laughs> and when I've done that, then I'll be ready to go back and pick up the jumper again. Yes, let it rest for a moment. What did What did you make it in? Ooh, I can't. Mm, it's not. It's not British. <laughs> you can, that's okay. You can say if it's not British. That's quite it's, all right. It's drops Lima. 65 Merino, 35 Alpaca. Because my daughter's at uni and I'm not quite sure how she goes about washing things, I wasn't about to use anything wonderful. I mean, it is wonderful, but you know what I mean. I mean, I'm like, you know, my name's Susan and I'm an addict. I am a yarn snob addict. I really am. I'm, I'm so, so condescending about but I just feel that until she's a bit older I knit most of her stuff in drops because it's affordable if it gets felted I think I think that's really wise there are so many people who want um, to to harness our knitting skills in some way but then aren't so fond of hand washing or you know 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 how to look after it so something that you know Air Valley is my favourite for that because you can just fling it fling it in the washing machine in the washing machine the drops goes in the washing machine 
Yeah, and it and it is. It's 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 brilliant for that. So I, I'm, I'm I'm although I'm the same, quite snobby when it comes to the yarn that I buy for myself. <laughs> then I do think about other people and their capabilities <laughs> when it comes to that, and think, yeah, they'll be fine with a bit of uh, nylon in it. Okay, so the next one is always a little bit harder for people. Um, so you're allowed more than one answer for this, but. If there is a yarn and a pattern, which you don't necessarily need to use together, but just a yarn and a pattern that you really feel um, should be promoted and, and people should know about um, sort of as a left as your sort of legacy of yarn and, and patterns, what would it be? Well, this was really tough. And I'm afraid I have gone for three yarns. <laughs> That's a new record. Now I'm going to start with the pinnacle which is i went to the, the only one of the big sort of wool fair craft fairs that's near me that i could go without having to stay over is unravel in oh, yeah. um farnham so i met a lady called elizabeth beverly who is plant dyed wools and she does the most incredible cashmere all dyed with plants it was, and I was really lucky because I went on the last day of unravel now every dye batch does five hanks so there's not enough to knit a jumper there are 180 meters in a skein so um and she that's all she can do of any one color so she can't guarantee you the same color and she had this basket on the last day of the fair where she had reduced the odd hanks that she had left where somebody had bought four or three or something. And she, so I bought five colors, all ranging from sort of dusky primrose yellows through to greens. It was, um, I wrote it down. What was it dyed with? Daffodils, rhubarb, yarrow, elder leaves and bracken. Those, and it is quite the most sumptuous yarn I have ever knitted with, but hardly every day. You know, I mean, it needs something really special. To yeah. knit. And I knitted a really plain shawl, a hat, just a plain hat, and I knitted it in stockinette so that the smoothness, because I thought garter would interrupt the feel of the, the cashmere. And I just, I didn't waste a scrap. I, I knitted till the palest colour ran out, and then I joined the next darkest colour and ended up finally with, um, a, a ruffle on on the edge of it, just a ruffle, and it is just. I mean, it's like wrapping yourself in a cloud of. Oh wow! So that's my all-time favourite, but not something that I would be able to knit with on a regular basis. So my next favourite is from the Little Grey Sheep. Oh, yes. Now that's about an hour away from me, and my knit and natter group. We went and met Emma and Susie. And they told us all about the Stein. You know, they've, they've yes, they're cross. That's right. They've got. I think they got a merino ram. She told us all this hoot of a story about getting this ram from the south of France in a trailer back to Hampshire, <laughs> and, and all the things that went wrong, as you can imagine. So we had a lovely day there, and I bought uh, the four ply Stein and knitted a cardigan for my daughter and it this is my favorite pattern it's the isla cardigan by gudrun johnson 
Oh, yes. Oh, that is simple, but just with that little lacy bit at the V and just tiny little buttons. I think it's got three little buttonholes where the lace meets, but the rest is just, it's beautiful. It's beautiful yarn. I know that she's got it in all sorts of thicknesses, but I use the the four ply. So that's my second. Now my third this is going to sound off the wall. I haven't knitted with this yet. That's okay. Because I only acquired it last Thursday and is amazing. A friend of mine is a fabulous lace knitter and she was knitting. She said, oh, I found this place in the New Forest, again, about half an hour from me. And she said, um, I bought the wool, only natural shades. There's very dark grey, middle dark grey and pale grey. But all weights, from lace weight right through to about um, Aaron, really. It's called the Hollyhock Flock. Sue Cole keeps, they're a Gotland breed. She started off with a couple of Shetlands ewes, and she got a Gotland ram. And she's now got, it's a pedigree um, crossbred Gotland flock. So she's registered. And I went with my, my friend, so, so the friend was knitting with it, and I said, that wool is incredible. What is it? And she told me, and I have to say, if I'd seen it online or something like that, it wouldn't have floated my boat particularly. There's only these three colours, but Patty had knitted it into a hat shawl with the centre bit in the dark, the borders in the middle, and the edging with the light, and it was just gorgeous to feel it was so soft so we went down to sue's farm because she has a wee knit natter group called the knitwits and they asked us along for the morning and i bought some of the wool but she's had such a good year with her flock that many of her ewes had triplets so she took a triplet a third lamb off and left the mother with two so she'd hand reared five of the the lambs that had all been a triplet and she took us out to see them, these gorgeous, curly, gotlady looking sheep. I bought three, one of each of the colours in the four ply to do like a hat shawl. How lovely. But I was a bit um, extravagant and I bought another three because I want you to give them as a, a giveaway. No way. Yes, 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 yes. Oh. I want you to. I have to share how wonderful this stuff is. It's it's very ridiculously underpriced. I said that to her. She charges seven pounds for a hundred grams. Oh no no no! Uh-huh. She has it. She hand sorts it rather. The sheep are multicolored, and she sends it off to Sue Blacker at the Natural Fiber Company, and Sue does all the other bit and sends it back to her. My friend has knitted one hat shawl in just the dark colour and it is huge I mean huge it must be three metres square it's enormous and she said that used about 480 grams that's really interesting and that is so generous of you oh no no I just wanted to because I thought you know 
it, somebody else is going to, the holy hot flock will be spread, the word will be spread. Well, exactly. I was, I've written that down and underlined it quite a lot of times because that's a new one on me. So that's fantastic. That is so generous of you. It's lovely. Oh, that's awesome, Susan. Thank you so much. Thank you for supporting the British and thank you for, you know, you've you've been a long time listener and, and commenter. Well, you know, it's funny. I've knitted my whole life, but since I came to your podcast, it's kind of rekindled or, or more than kindled. It's become an obsession now rather than just a, a love. <laughs> but even my husband likes to listen to the podcast because we listen <laughs> in the car. He knows about his whips and his... <laughs> and uh, and it's it's really quite funny. I said, "Oh, do you mind if I listen to this? You might not really be very interested." And he said, "No, it's all right." <laughs> Thank you so much, Susan. It's been a lovely chat to you. And you're welcome. Bye. Do you think you know that Entrelac cardigan? Check out the wee picture on the show notes. I'm sure Susan would love to fill in the blanks about that. Since recording that, we have discovered that it was not necessarily a Jimson Smith pattern, uh, but it might have been in a book called The Sweater Book by Amy Carroll. So if any of you have The Sweater Book published by Darling Kindersley in the mid-80s, have a wee look at the picture in the show notes, see if you can match up and let us know. Answers on a postcard, please. And how awesome does that Gotland yarn sound? Uh, it's so great that she has been looking around her own area for, for wool, but so generous to share that with us too. Go on over to the Ravelry group and find out how to enter for that lovely Gotland yarn. And do have a look at Patty's haps uh, in the show notes. They're just stunning, absolutely stunning. Thank you, Susan Hobkirk, so very much. It was lovely chatting to you. We had a really good laugh. And thank you for supporting the podcast. Thank you so much for the lovely feedback about the blind wool reviewing that we had last time. And it is a fun way to review yarn, isn't it? By just sending out little nuggets of, of wool to unsuspecting reviewers to <laughs> try and figure out what it is and give it a little swatch road test. This week, I've got another for you. And my three blind testers this episode are Malin Scott, Anthea Willis and Carolyn Sue Jenkins. Uh, Those last two are muckers you will meet um, as the year goes on. I only told them that it was double knit uh, and then asked them to let me know what they thought. This yarn is something that I got at Edinburgh Yarn Fest and I was really drawn to it for its creamy texture and 
for the idea that it looked like it would be a great workhorse yarn, but maybe a little bit more of a luxurious workhorse yarn because it's got a soft handle and it's got a, a, a kind of a matte luster. Yes, I know that's an oxymoron, uh, but there you have it. And um, I was also interested in the the company's aims and their background. I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. So the wool is, drum roll, Cambrian wool Welsh mule double knit. Cambrian wool are a community interest company. It uh, grew out of uh, a rural initiative in Mid Wales, which aimed at uh, was aimed at supporting and developing upland farming econ- economies um, in Mid Wales, amongst other areas. And uh, the company was incorporated last February. One of the aims of the their community interest companies to facilitate the purchase and processing of wool produced in the region's farms and they make a Welsh mule as I've said in four ply and double knit and also a Lanwenog yarn. Welsh mule is a, a progeny of, of Blueface Lester Ram as with all mules generally and a Welsh hill yow maybe a Welsh mountain breed or a Beulah speckle face uh, and they produce a really nice big fleece that ranges uh, about 29 to 32 microns. So good, medium, soft handle. Remember, we've talked about this before in the podcast that um, around about 30 um, is, is, a, is a good, medium, soft handle. I knit the swatches in the mule yarns shortly after buying it, but I also purchased a tester pack so that I could send some of the yarn out to to willing muckers. I knit two swatches. I knit one in four millimetre needles and another on five millimetre needles um, just because I could see that it was sort of a heavy double knit so I thought it probably knit well to worsted weight dimensions as well. I cast on 25 stitches and I just knit stockinette stitch with a bit of a garter edge. For me it was buttery, lustrous, plumpy, had a great spring to it. I was really drawn by that spring. Washed and blocked. I blocked it um, about an inch bigger. Blocked really well. I think you could block this quite aggressively if you needed to. It kept the good dimensions. I just loved the chalky softness and it had a really sturdy stretch. And this is what our muckers had to say. Now, remember, they didn't know what the wool content was. So this is what Maylin had to say. The first squish was very firm and smooth. There was the slightest of halos. It takes dye very well and evenly, and it's one solid matte colour, which leads me to suspect that the original wool is white, cream, light grey, possibly a blend with another white short luster breed. Uh, she guessed, is it Clen? Is it Southdown? Maybe something with a little Shetland thrown in, though it doesn't feel like pure Shetland. And I think I know what she's talking about there with the fact that it's got hill breed in, in, in the cross, um, along with that lovely lustrous BFL. So I think that's kind of the, the hardiness that Maylin is finding, finding there with the Welsh mountain part of the cross. She says, I cast on with 4.5mm needles and knit a swatch of twisted eyelet rib as I wanted to test both lace and texture with this yarn. 
After blocking, both types of stitches came out beautifully. I wore the swatch next to my skin for a day and while I did notice when it moved against my skin, it was by no means prickly or unpleasant, just crisp and thus noticeable. I would have no qualms about wearing a garment against my skin. This is a lovely all-purpose yarn that seems perfect for cable jumpers, also hats and mittens. I think it would be fairly hard wearing. While vigorous rubbing and wringing and pulling has disturbed the fibres so that overall the halo is slightly more prominent, I have not seen any actual signs of pilling. The swatch after wearing retains its shape and stitches and feels strong but a little bouncy too. And tick, 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 I would agree with all of that. Absolutely all of that. I love that Maylin gives it a proper ring it and rub it and and really really puts it puts it to the test i do that as well um i need to rewash and block and wear my swatches and and as you know i quite like to give them three or four washes and blocks over time just to to see if the wool pills or changes at all anthea willis says first impressions a soft squishy light and airy yarn with a slight halo smooth with a good twist and a lovely color as it knits it's easy and pleasant to work with quite crisp and grippy on my wooden needles i would not be afraid of dropping stitches or laddering when ripping back a garter stitch is squishy but firm stocking stitch is smooth different textures stand out well fabulous stitch definition and she's done a little swatch with some garter some moss stitch some cabling a little bit of everything on there after blocking she says the fabric is quite firm yet with drape and i find this too it keeps its block shaped very well stitch definition is superb Uh, there's a slight sheen on the fabric and a few longer fibers showing but not much halo that's interesting that there's a little bit of difference there but uh, perhaps Anthea hasn't um, given her swatch the big old um, vigorous uh, test that um, Maylin does in terms of trying to fluff up those fibres and, and see if it pills. Uh, Anthea says on the skin test it was soft enough for me to notice it whilst going about my day with it tucked under my bra strap. It had very slight character that may bother those with sensitive skin. Conclusion, it's a lovely yarn that washes and blocks well, seems pretty hard wearing and produces a lovely looking fabric. I would use it for cables and texture stitches and think it would make a fab cardi or sweater and warm cosy accessories, hats, mittens and cowls. Uh, now, Carolyn Sue Jenkins, who I think is happy to go by Sue, she's in California and so possibly has no need of double knit wool at this time of year, but she was really keen to... to give this uh, a swatch test and she said when the yarn first arrived it looked very sturdy to me although it had a soft feel and a bit of a halo. I thought there might be alpaca in there but the swatch had no drapiness to it at all. I got out my wraps per inch tool and figured out that the yarn was a worsted weight. Again it's double knit but I can understand why it appears to be a worsted weight because it is slightly a heavier double knit. She knit her swatch on 375 millimeter needles her gauge was 5.5 stitches uh, and nine rows um so perhaps that's why there's a little less drape to sue's swatch because it, it was knit on smaller needles she says i knit it up 
as a washcloth in garter stitch with a few yarn overs around the edge. I washed it and blocked it and it was softer than it seemed in the ball. I just laid it flat to dry. The garter stitch looks great but the yarn overs disappeared a little bit in the drying process. I put the swatch inside a sleeve and wore it all day and forgot about it until it fell out at the end of the day. That means it's a lot softer than I expected it to be even though I, I can't claim to be very sensitive to the prickle factor. The yarn was very nice to knit with, slipping through your fingers, staying put on metal needles and not splitting a bit. Now this is all very interesting isn't it because we, here we have uh, three different knitters knitting at different gauges on different needles, trying out different stitches and it really does give you a very overall view of, of, of this yarn doesn't it. I've got a little video on show notes at knitbritish.net forward slash ep hyphen 87 so that you can see my, my swatch that was knit on five millimeter needles and you can see that it's got a little bit of drape to it. It's got a lovely stretch to it and it's just a lovely wool, a really, really lovely wool. My only negative point is that the label on both the Mule and Lanwenog, which I also bought at Edinburgh Yarn Festival and which is now in part of my big crochet blanket. The labels are exactly the same. There's no information on which breed is in the ball. Um, so as part of my clear labelling focus, I have written to Cambrian Wool on the importance of that info and will report back to you on what they say. For all the details that you need, this was the double knit and I knit it. It's sort of a pearly grey colour. It's lovely. There's a fantastic colour palette of the Welsh Mule, really, really lovely. The They come in 50 gram balls, it's about 100 metres for that 50 gram ball, it costs 5 99 a ball. The hand squish grab of the skein is buttery and bouncy. It knit up really smoothly, no splitting, amazing stitch definition and a really sturdy elasticity to the swatch. I think it would be ideal for everything, sweaters and everything else. It will be a great workhorse yarn. Um, it's hard wearing um, but it's got a bit of luxury to it with that soft handle and with that little bit of luster. I think I would make maybe some of Andy Satellin's cardigans with a little lace or a little cable and would look awesome in this yarn. But I'm also thinking, because it's available in a four ply and with that lovely stitch definition, I think it would be lush in Wooly Wormhead hats because, um, you know, she's fantastic at designing with, you know, real structural stitches and possibly the the circled hat collection. Uh, I reckon the garter in these would just pop amazingly well and while that collection is designed for variegated yarns I think the the texture and the softness and the luster on these yarns would do a lot of talking. Um, I do think that, that that would be an incredible hat yarn for sure. Um, I've got enough of the double knit for a shawl so I'm thinking perhaps Libby Johnson Truly Myrtle's Pokia shawl which is just simple garter stitch and stockinette and a lovely sort of winged shape. It's, it's a beautiful shaped shawl. Um, or Claire Devine's Farlem shawl uh, which is what I'd kind of call a three-quarter size hap. It's got lovely leaf lease, no, lease leaf, no, leaf lace <laughs> um, and some garter edging and I reckon because it's a double knit that's on the heavier side um, you could swatch, switch needles and definitely get gauge for this iron weight design. Something else I think would be awesome in the double knit is Rennie Callahan's Angelus Novus 
cardigan, which has that um, lovely lace pattern and it's just a beautiful shape and that was designed in blacker swan so it kind of calls for a yarn that's got a lovely buttery squish to it and a nice stitch definition so this is definitely a fantastic substitute I would say. Links to all of those patterns mentioned are in the show notes I must apologise because the last time uh, when I talked about Paul Dorset Lambswool from Northern Yarn I somehow deleted the links to the the tops that I had mentioned so I apologise for that, I have added them in again go over to the show notes at knitbritish.net and there's links to all of those Uh, again, lovely wool a really great colour palette and I think this is one that will make its way into a lot of stashes for sure Thank you to my woolly muckers, and I, I, you know, I sent them a wee nibbin of swatch size amount of wool uh, for free in exchange for an honest review, and I think you will agree those are very honest reviews, and um, it's a really fun way to learn more about about yarn. I bought this yarn at Edinburgh Yarn Festival from Cambrian Wool, and you can buy it by visiting www.cambrianwool.co.uk. Just touching on the subject of clear labelling earlier there, I want to say thank you very much for your recent feedback on that topic. On the suggestion of two of you uh, who who emailed me, I've written to uh, two companies with your suggestions for how they can make their labels clearer and I will report back either with replies to you individually or via the podcast or both. I'm thinking to come up with a standard letter for this so that you can download it and use it if you want to write yourself to to these companies we've talked about this before there is a huge misunderstanding of what matters to you the yarn buyer the crafter of what we need to see on that label it could be technical information it could be breed information it could be just wool or fiber content information that is not there that you need to see it could be where it's processed or anything anything like that it's a conscious need for information that we have and you know having that adds to so many things but satisfaction and a well-being to know where that wool has come from is 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 just one so if there are blanks to be filled in where those blanks can easily be filled in then that information should be available and i am doing work behind the scenes on this clear labeling focus and do get in touch via the contact page at british.net if you want to discuss this more. But thank you so much for your feedback on that and I will definitely be bringing you more on clear labelling. Well, July is already a bit of a crazy month. Lots of good things, lots of other things happening, lots of just things happening. So much so that my belly is a bit jellified and thinking about it. Um, so I do hope to bring you my newest episode or perhaps episodes uh, as an extra show this month. My intentions are really good, but I know you'll be patient with me if something else crops up this month to make it even more crazier. Extra episodes aside, I will definitely have an episode for you uh, the week after next in our usual spot. Until next time, take good care. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Knit British Podcast. To find out more, visit www.knitbritish.net. You can email me louise at knitbritish.net. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at knit underscore British. And I'm on Ravelry as Lira. 